What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Yes, you are. You are now about to enter some Wrestling Geeks Alliance knowledge. God, that was so horrible. So I was listening to Straight Outta Compton right before this. So, uh, anyways, uh, this is another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, um, a show in which I basically ramble a lot uh, to my wonderful co-host, Christopher, and try to make him laugh. And most of the time, he probably wants to shoot me in the head with a staple gun. But maybe we won't get to that point tonight. Speaking of which, Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I don't think I've ever wanted to pull a new jack and staple gun your forehead or anything, though. I mean... You know, obviously some jokes fall flat, but uh, it's just that's just bound to happen in life. <laughs> that's a How are good, you doing? good point. Uh, I'm doing lovely. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Have, I've, have you never wanted to, like, Abdul the Butcher me with a fork or anything like that? Like, just get a little bit crazy, maybe set me on fire like Supreme? Um, do you like not, all these hardcore references not, we're doing back and forth? Not, not that I recall, but, I mean, it might be a good boost for our YouTube views if I just start splitting you open on a weekly basis. Dude, you should, like, hunt me down at different times <laughs> during the daytime. Like, I have no idea. And just get all of it on camera. I think that would be a great idea. Oh, man. Just wearing a, all right, well, anyways, uh, guys. You just attach a GoPro got... to my staple gun and start filming from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The GoPro right on the staple gun. Like, damn it, Chris, ow! You know, <laughs> you know that'd be a lot of fun. Here's my new impression, Chris. Do you know I can do a Ric Flair? Okay. Before you say yes. Man, that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty good. Especially since I can yeah. change my voice so it sounds like it's in a auditorium-like setting, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it uh, reminds me of the guy from Police Academy with the way you're able to amp in the crowd sound <laughs> as well as do the impersonation. I, I actually uh, have been studying at the school of Michael Winslow, so I appreciate you for, you know, seeing that. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I don't think anyone really tuned in to listen to our jokes, probably, partially, because if you can deal with my ridiculous antics, then you probably want to listen to this. I don't know. Either way, we got to talk about a lot of wrestling. Uh, we got lots of stuff over in the uh, great country of Japan. Uh, that we're going to talk about with Dominion, and then also what's going to be on the uh, the U.S. card, I don't know what the event's called, um, at the Cow Palace, or is that still in Japan? I don't know. What we're going to do is tell you the next couple of matches for that, too. Then we're going to go over Money in a Bank with this weekend, which is going to be, uh, no matter what, and I'm not trying to take a shot at WWE, it's 
going to be hard to watch because, unfortunately, the whole entire time I'm going to be judging everything off Dominion. So they could do a stellar job with each match, but that's still fresh in my head. But we'll get to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about some guy. Have you ever heard of this guy named Phil Brooks, Chris? You know what I'm talking about, Phil Brooks? Um, Chick Magnet. He's, he's like straight edge, right? That guy? Yeah, I think he's a vegan. Or maybe that's maybe that's Debray. I don't know. Who's Debray? Well, we're we're going to be talking about it. Wrestling is what? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Eh, that's already started. It's been a long week for both of us, I think. Uh, but, um, yeah, let's go into this uh, first thing and, and talk about uh, Mr. Punk, uh, Mr. CM Punk. Get that out of the way. Uh, we kind of – did we talk about the court case – after he won it, or was that before they made uh, the verdict, Chris? We talked about it in a couple different ways. We did. Uh, we talked about it beforehand, and then we talked about it after the verdict, which obviously they, they ended up winning that court case, so no money was to be paid to Dr. Amon. Um, from there, I mean, we kind of yeah. just went off on whether we thought this would play into a WWE lawsuit, from which I have heard that is a possibility um, – they're looking at proceeding forward with the WWE lawsuit now that they've won this one, so we'll see what comes from that. And then we kind of talked briefly about the fact that this case is leading into his UFC fight, and, well, I guess that's what we're getting into now. So <laughs> we can go from there for the people that have yeah. been in. So basically, um, you, you did the package. Yeah, yeah, you did the package for the, uh, you know, the feud that happens right before the match, and I'm about to say the match, so... Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I hope that you had good camera angles and everything and maybe a good Limp Biscuit song playing. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, so since then, obviously, uh, since winning, uh, he went into the octagon uh, to face Mike Jackson, who is actually not um, a pop singer um, from the 80s. Uh, weird enough, uh, he's actually an ex-Golden Glo- or not Golden Glove, Golden Glove uh, boxer and champion, I believe. Uh, he lost to uh, Mickey Gall, I believe is the name of the guy that CM Punk also lost to. Uh, you know, one's an ex-professional wrestler, one's an ex-boxer. Um, so they had an even chance. They both had one loss, no wins, basically, and lost to the same person. Uh, the boxer doing a at least worse of a job than CM Punk did, if that makes sense. Uh, the match happened, and I got to say, I watched it, and I used to be a huge UFC fan. Um, I still tune in to certain matches if it has you know, uh, you know, George St. Pierre, uh, DC, there's, there's certain guys that still got my attention, but it's just been a minute before, since I've been into it, but uh, it was one of the sloppiest fucking matches I've ever seen on UFC. Um, Dana White, I think, completely owned up to this. I mean, he really, the man, and I mean, a lot of it's WWE taking some of its talent, you know, keeping Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey leaving, going there, but I think she kind of ended her career anyways. Um, but either way, CM Punk is a name. And he's a draw. So that's why they had him on there. He shouldn't have been on UFC. Neither time. Um, even in one of the pre-matches, it didn't matter. He, it just looked ridiculous. I will give him a lot, and I think a lot of people have said this. I'll give him a lot for having heart and getting through the whole entire thing because he can take an ass whooping. And even uh, Mike Jackson said afterwards that he's got one hell of a chin. Uh, but, you know, when you are someone, and I'm, I can't judge off of, this being me, I'm just saying, you know, from what I've seen with past 
MMA fighters, if you come to the sport in your late 30s, on the verge of 40, basically, you've had no real, like, Olympic-style Greco-Roman wrestling practice in high school or any of that type of athletic nature. You know some judo and other martial arts, and you're a professional wrestler. You probably should have started this a little bit earlier if you wanted to accomplish something, because even if they gave it to, to Punk, which he lost the match, and we'll get to how I feel about Mike Jackson in a second, because I think he's an idiot. Um, you know, it just wasn't I, – I, I, the only reason that he got that uh, that match, or both matches, basically, is because he is a name and he was trying to do something. But honestly, he should have been a strike force, or, or even a lower level. Like, give him some people that are, you know, even to his level of, of MMA fighting. Um, either way, also Mike Jackson, like I was saying – Show voting like an idiot. Dana White said that um, he's done, basically, that he basically saw a lot more uh, out of CM Punk, even though he said that he's never stepping in the ring again either, than Mike Jackson, because Mike Jackson basically could have finished the fight several times and would pose and try to act like this is a fucking professional wrestling match, and no one really appreciated that because he looked sloppy as shit, too. They both looked sloppy as hell. It was an atrocity. And now Punk, he lost. He can hopefully get that out of his system and uh, do whatever he's got to do next in his career. Um, you know, let, let, let's let's leave it at that, and we'll talk about the Corey Graves stuff and also the future of where we could see CM Punk going. But, Chris, did you get a chance to watch the uh, fight? And even if you didn't, like, how do you feel about the whole situation? Well, I watched, I watched the recap of the fight. I, I didn't watch the entire thing. Um, it came on Saturday, and I had some other obligations, and obviously Dominion came on uh, Saturday morning, so I was pretty damn tired. Um, yep. But yeah, I didn't I didn't get to watch the entire thing. I uh, I definitely watched the highlights of it, and from what I could tell, I mean it it you know it was a sloppy fight. Red hurt Insaw in the highlights, uh, and Dana White buried it pretty much. I I don't think he was very happy. I think he kind of knew what the fight was going to be, which is why it was on the undercard this time. As far as what CM Punk is going to do next, uh, I, you know, if he wants to continue to fight, there's other people out there that will take him. I could definitely see him having a match in Bellator or Strike Force, and I think his name is still a draw. I just, you know, from a UFC perspective, it's I I don't know that that's that people are going to want to tune in to see CM Punk lose, even if they're huge CM Punk fans and UFC fans don't want to see a wrestler in a bad match. You know what I mean? Like, if they, I think that's more of what Dana White was getting at. I think Dana White took a chance on this one because he's like, well, at least I could try to get, um, get this guy some credibility by knocking out CM Punk in, in the first round, or maybe that's what he was thinking when he when he made this match to begin with. Um, other than just CM Punk having a contract with UFC, but uh, I don't know. For CM Punk, he's he's talked about you know just keep being completely done with wrestling. I think that might be the case. Maybe he wants to continue to try to fight. I think he heard other wrestlers say they were completely done with wrestling. Uh, you know, Austin Aries before he went back to WWE, and then he left WWE and went on this complete crazy run that he's on. So I I never say never when it comes to professional wrestling, but um, he's been pretty adamant about not ever wanting to do that again. So. It's it's a weird it's a weird situation. I, I think the UFC is having a hard time getting the amount of draw like draw ability that they want, and it was grasp at that. I know that their pay per view buys and things of that nature have been down. Their TV show stock has been down. Um, 
as far as what they're able to do on a network. That even plays into kind of the contract WWE got recently with Fox. So, uh, as far as, you know, the other UFC competitor, this won't be his last UFC fight. It could be something where, uh, and he did fire back at Dana White. Uh, I didn't see the whole fight, so I didn't see all the posing. I, I know that there was a time when he was mounted. He said he was looking at the corner. He wasn't really posing. Uh, but they thought there could have been some knockout shots or something based on everything I read. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my opinion of it was kind of like it was going in. I thought CM Punk was probably going to lose this fight. Uh, yep, I just he didn't really show me anything in his first match that would make me think otherwise when you're going against someone uh, who's a Golden Glove. Well, like you said, it was a, what a Golden Glove boxer formerly, and has probably been training for this longer than Punk. And also the fact that Punk is in his almost 40 years old, if not 40 years old. Um, age plays a big part in that, just getting your body ready for something like this. So, you know, good for Punk. If this was really his dream. He went out there, he tried it, and he tried it on the biggest stage against, you know, people that, you know, Mickey Gall, not a terrible fighter. He fought some legit fighters. Um, it wasn't like they put him against a scrub and he got a win, anything like that. Like, they put him up against some legit fighters and unfortunately he lost, but sometimes that happens, man, and he can keep fighting if he wants to. It's uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because he's kind of taken a beating in both of his last fights. Just for you know his health wise, I would say probably not do that. But that's, that's up to him. I, overall, my opinion of it is you know both companies, both WWE and UFC, are going to take whatever name they can get that's a big name and, and try to make money with it. I mean, it worked with Brock Lesnar and CM Punk. If he would have been better and like maybe won some matches it would have been a huge draw for them as well uh but a wrestling fan you know a big CM Punk fan is not going to tune in to watch him get beat you know for a third time I just don't see that happening um so I think he'd be moving on from UFC but by no means do I think he's going to be in like WWE or Royal Rumble or anything uh like that and so it kind of just stays in the same boat as I think if he ever goes back anywhere it'll either be Ring of Honor or or New Japan to do something with some of the top guys over there, like a uh, NATO or kind of what Chris Jericho is doing now with a lighter schedule. If he did want to come back to wrestling, it would make the most sense for some Cody and Kenny and the elite New Japan. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's kind of all of my opinion on it. And like I said, I didn't see the whole fight, so I don't want to talk too much about the technicality of the USC bout itself, but just kind of the aftermath. Well, let's let's speak more about the aftermath. And I think mainly uh, at this point, with Strikeforce and Bellator, it's a better stage if you want to continue. I don't think you should, but I'm not going to tell him what to do. He's still a draw, so he can still bring it. It would be kind of irresponsible for UFC, I think, at this point, to let him keep on fighting, since uh, there was a lot of open shots that he wasn't able to protect himself from. And, you know, I mean, I, of course, would never want this, but, you know, it would be horrible to see someone get kicked right in the head like a CM Punk because he doesn't know what he's doing. And then, you know, some type of brain trauma, something bad happens because of that, live on television, all because you had someone that really shouldn't be on that level of whatever, even with yeah, Mike Jackson. Uh, but either way, after this happened, his longtime buddy, uh, Corey Graves, kind of went off on Twitter about this. Uh, bunch of different tweets involving saying something about pretty much right after, like, I don't know if he had, you know, consumed some alcohol. I don't know Corey's position on all that. So 
you know, as for all I know, he could be straight edge too. So, but it was just shot after shot against his ex good friend, uh, Phil Brooks. Apparently within the relationship, he kind of turned the back on people that were part of the uh, WWE family in general. And, uh, there's been a lot of animosity, especially with Corey. Uh, Corey said basically like, Vince McMahon, Triple H, you guys didn't do anything. You know, this this has nothing to do with you. This is what happens, you know, if you get in the UFC ring, blah, 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 something to that extent. Then he followed up with saying, letting people know about their drama, uh, in which I just told you about that whole entire thing, and said, uh, he held my son before I, I even got to the hospital. Uh, you know, when my wife had a kid, we were that close. So apparently... There is a lot between the two of them in a very, very negative light. It kind of stinks to hear that, you know, I would assume that him and Daniel Bryan don't share a relationship anymore. That I don't know if it's spitefulness or it's just him trying to turn off a chapter in his nut life, but it seems like him and the WWE, you know, are in the background. While you hear, Chris, you know, all these stories about the fact that Punk was at All In in the back hanging out with the guys, you know, talks to the Young Bucks almost every other day on the phone, texting and stuff like that. Uh, he seems to be, I'm basically getting around to, with all that said, if I saw CM Punk coming back, and I really think, I don't know exactly money-wise how much, he probably has millions of dollars. He also had a huge lawsuit. I don't know, and now he's just going to pay Dave from UFC. That's probably going to be pretty nice. But I don't know exactly where he's at. Uh, if he doesn't need income, he could probably just not do anything. If he wanted to pursue it, like we said, just go to smaller-style uh, promotions. But if he were to come back to professional wrestling, which is you know what we talk about on the show, I think that you're right. It would probably be Ring of Honor or New Japan. Shit, if you go back to the pipe bomb, those are the two that he said he would take the title to. So, in retrospect, it would almost be fitting if all of a sudden he showed up at one of those shows. Uh, if he shows up at All In, for instance. Uh, but that's all speculation. Either way, how do you feel about the whole Corey thing and all the drama related to that and, you know, basically going forward with him? Could you see him? It, it, actually, let me ask you this question. What's more likely, him pursuing MMA to some degree in some place besides UFC? or taking time off and all of a sudden showing up at something like a New Japan or Ring of Honor? I think it's more likely that he has a fight outside of UFC before he comes back to a wrestling uh, personally. And then as far as the Corey Graves thing goes, I, I, I'm not a fan of airing personal grievances on Twitter in general. And to me, this sounded seemed more personal than anything else. And it just came after the guy lost the fight. Uh, you could have spit this out at any point in time. I mean, the guy just went through a court case, and he lost a fight. And maybe, I don't know, maybe him and CM Punk had a really terrible falling out. That I don't know. I can't comment. If, if you take the wrestling fan out of this equation, and you just look at it, and you take wrestling out of this equation, and you just look at this as like, you just saw a guy get his ass kicked, and you used to be his friend, and then you're like, well, let me dump on this guy a little bit more and throw some personal shit at him as well. Um, kind of a shitty thing to do, and kind of a shitty thing to do on Twitter in general to anyone uh, outside of the wrestling industry. Uh, he did come back out, if I'm not mistaken, and kind of clarify 
what he was saying, right? He like text he, he there was a, a follow up tweet, so I'll go ahead and read them out. But he was like, Hey at CM Punk, call me tomorrow, I still love you. And then he said, Oh, and sorry at Keto Omega Man X for dropping your name in a negative manner. You're rad. Congrats on your new hardware. Uh so I guess he had made a, a mark to yeah, made, said something to Kenny Omega at some point. And then he's like, uh, don't forget y'all, I actually knew you before I I actually knew how to fight before I got the T V as like a joke, I guess, but I have no idea. And there's just more tweets. tweets God, I know. It, it, like, Punk would tear you it apart. Just like you like, I'll fight him. It, I, I don't know. It wasn't a good look if you're Corey Gray. But you know what I mean, um, though? Especially the ups and downs of these tweets that we're hearing. It sounds like he was just wasted or something. I mean, I have, I'm not going to try to propose that, especially, like I said, I don't know if Corey doesn't drink. I'm just saying that based on my own experience and seeing other people do this whole entire thing, it's like they can snap and have a different type of emotion behind it at a different second, you know? Man, it's like, uh, I don't know. The entire thing was just bizarre. But this isn't the first time that Corey Graves has had bizarre shit uh, with wrestlers because, like, him and Book T had that spat, Right. So like I I don't know oh, maybe he's just a weird don't tell personality. Me that. Don't tell me this is all I, fake. That it's actually going to be like him and CM Punk are going to be like ah, I got you guys just like him and fucking Booker T. I I doubt it because CM Punk kind of takes himself seriously now that he's not in wrestling in a way at least on Twitter and stuff that I don't foresee that being a thing. Uh, I don't know man the entire thing is weird and it kind of makes me dislike Corey Graves. <laughs> a little bit just for being kind of a dick for no reason. But uh, like I said, I don't know. Maybe the backstory is even worse. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> like never maybe, know. Yeah, we'll never know because well, CM Punk is not going to respond to this at all. Like, I, you have more of a chance of Kenny Omega saying something like, hey, love you too, whatever. <laughs> you have of CM Punk actually giving Corey Graves the time of a day on Twitter. I just, I highly doubt CM Punk tweets back. Um, but weird, completely bizarre, and uh, I don't know, just like be nice to people, and even if they slight you, I don't know that I would. It's nice to be nice. Grandpa don't go always pull out on Facebook and Twitter trying to bury people. Like it's, I don't know, it's just like it seems fucking childish. Yeah, and if you're gonna do it, be creative and say that you need to jump on a volcano or swim in one. That's actually a fun thing. To and, say. and then he said he wanted to um, fight him, and it's like Corey Graves, you're not even cleared to professionally wrestle. How are you gonna get into a fucking ring with him? Unless you just mean street fight him. Like, doesn't this guy have really like a mature. cracked vertebrae or something? Like, I don't know. The entire thing's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the best way to put it, it's this is like the kind of thing that makes me not like wrestlers being on Twitter. Because you can't tell if they're yep. if it's a gimmick or if they're actually mad at each other. But, like, to me, this one comes off as, like you said, either someone who was a little tipsy tweeting or someone who let the fans put them on tilt. Because even when he was trying to redact what he said previously, he starts responding to fans and then immediately gets pissed off again. So I don't, like, Twitter down for a couple days, come back to it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people that should probably put Twitter down, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, what me and Chris are trying to say, I, either angle is probably a possibility for Punk, but 
you know, whatever he wants to do is whatever Punk is going to do, basically. And I don't know if that makes sense. I think that I'm a little more – I think that, that he's going to make his way back into wrestling, but I don't think it's going to be full-time. I don't think it's – it's definitely not going to be WWE. If he goes to WWE, it's going to be like when Bret Hart showed back up at WWE that much longer, and he's not going to be wrestling. It's going to be like he's going to fucking Hall of Fame or some bullshit like that, which I don't even know. With all the stuff that's happened, there's a lot of, of baggage in that whole entire situation. But I could see him going back into some type of wrestling. But I agree to Chris that the scenario of him going and trying fighting somewhere else also could probably probably happen. I just, if I was AJ Lee, I'd be like, honey, I mean, do you really want to do this still? I mean, want want to get kicked in the head? I mean, I don't, I don't really. I mean, yeah, in wrestling you can get a concussion, obviously, but the object, the the concept is not to do that. Uh, it's to try to remain safe about everything you're doing. And UFC and MMA in general, obviously, Chris, it's to beat the living shit out of the person until they're unconscious or they tap out because they're being choked. So that's uh, it, it's a weird it's a weird thing. But uh, either way, kudos to CM Punk for being humble, and uh, everyone's giving him credit for having heart. So I guess that means something to some extent. But what the fuck ever, Corey. If you drink, lay off the cocktails. All right. Uh, there was a wrestling event that you were talking about earlier, Chris. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Dominion, I believe. Uh, it's not for WWE. It's from a far land called Japan. And uh, it was pretty fucking amazing. Um, give me your overall impressions of Dominion this year and, and your experience watching it. You watched it live, right? Yeah. So my first off experience was holy what, fucking what time? shit really 3 a.m is when i started watching so i'm not sure if i was 100 percent live or not i was pretty groggy so my first impression was holy fuck this is early as shit my second impression probably midway through is like man i'm really glad i got up for this and i'm also really glad i drank two red bulls and then by end of the end of the night i was like that might have been one of the greatest wrestling moments i've seen in a really, 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 really fucking long time. And the pay-per-view overall was fucking amazing. So that was my emotions going through <laughs> Dominion <laughs> while watching it live. Yeah. See, I... And it sucks for Chris. Chris is ready to find out for me what I thought about the last couple matches. And I woke up, I think, around 8.30, 9 o'clock. And... Uh, you know, I was going to watch it immediately when I woke up. It was so nice, though. It's kind of like the Greatest Royal Rumble in the, in the sense that since it's another place, it starts at a completely different time. So if you can't watch it live, you can still just try to remain off of Facebook, which I did a horrible job of, uh, ruined both the last two matches for myself. One literally right before I was about to watch it happen with uh, Mr. Omega. But whatever, didn't take away too much from the excitement. But, uh, yeah, you can literally just watch it from the comfort of your own home during the daytime. It's a very, very unique concept, really. Um, but, yeah, I started, and uh, I took forever because I was, like, watching bre- eating breakfast and everything. Chris, what time did you call me? I, I think you were like, so are you done? And it was, like, 1 o'clock, and I was like, uh, I'm only on the Young Bucks <laughs> match right now. <laughs> yeah, you had, like, taken your time with it. You are driving me fucking insane. And I, like, really, I, I was trying to wait as 
as late in the morning as possible to text you about it so that you wouldn't fucking look on the internet. And the very first thing I said is, like, don't look at the internet. Go watch Dominion. (laughs) (laughs) So that's your fault. (laughs) Because I was trying to warn you. I was like, dude, don't. (laughs) Don't look at it. Because it was really damn good. And And it's... I am glad that I got up. I think I missed Maybe the opener match, but I pretty much watched the the rest of it entire live. And luckily, I had to be up early anyway, so I had an excuse to get up that fucking early. Normally, I wouldn't, but it's I might. I'm glad I did because around like eight thirty, nine o'clock, my phone started blowing up. Like people started texting me immediately, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So I didn't look at the internet. Sent you that message. Told you not to look at the internet. <laughs> and then uh, I just and then I just waited. <laughs> for other people to finish watching it. <laughs> I was trying to be a trying yeah. to be a good person and uh hide my hype for what happened. So. I should have just listened to you. I was like, no, I gotta watch it in order. I should have watched the fuck it. You told me to watch the last three matches and then just go back and watch the rest. And I should have just done that. But it's like if you do that you're like, should I go back and watch the rest? And there was a lot of good stuff in there. But let's get to that actually. Let's let's start off uh starting with uh, the first match, Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, and Shubu uh, Kanemura. Uh, they were the light heavyweight tag champions, and they had a match against uh, Rapongi 3K, Sho and Yo, uh, followed by Rocky Romero, their manager. Uh, and Suzuki Gun won uh, by pinfall with a whiskey ball to the head and a leg trap pinning predicament on Sho to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions championships, whatever. Um, this, I mean, it, it wasn't that bad or anything like that. I just, what was it, Wrestle Kingdom? I watched Sho and Yo have an incredible match, uh, I believe with the Bucks. And, uh, yeah, they lost the titles, I believe, to the Bucks at Wrestle Kingdom, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And I was hoping to see them in a little bit longer of a match. Uh, I don't know really that much about Kanemura or El Desperado other than they're just Suzuki's like, you know, his goons, not his guns, but his goons, if you will. Uh, so, good match. Whiskey ball the back of the head. Dunzo. How'd you feel about this match, Chris? I liked it. I thought it was a good opening match. It wasn't anything that I was super high on. Not super memorable for me. Um, I had to go back and watch it after the fact. Because I believe this is the match I missed. Or at least missed part of. So, I went back and rewatched it. And, um, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh you know, he has a good opener. It's a pretty short match, um, but I kind of expected it because, you know, as a New Japan undercard match, knowing that they're going to do a best of three with Okada, and then you have, you know, Okada and Omega, and then you have a NATO match on the card. This thing, this card was pretty damn stacked, so I wasn't really expecting yep. any more of it, more from it than that. So for what it was, I actually thought it was a really fun match. And, uh, you know, I like, this, I like the hidden spot uh, with the whiskey bottle and and all that stuff. It was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, and the crazy thing about this, Chris, this is the only title that was on the line that got retained by the previous champions the whole entire night. And I mean, they had almost every single title on the line besides the American or what is it called, the U.S. Championship, which we'll get to uh, because the champ himself, Jay White, Switchblade, and Yoshihashi went against David Finley and Juice Robinson, and Finley and Robinson won over Chaos by pinfall with Pulp Friction from Robinson on White. 
they're going to be going after each other soon. And, and I think it's, it, it's, it would be really good if they put the title on Juice. I think that he's shown a lot of growth in the last year. I never saw him in WWE, so I don't know the perception that people had of him. But his energy and his wrestling ability is pretty fucking good. And I always enjoy him and uh, David Finley uh, when they're working together. So I think that Juice is going to win that one. How, do, how did you feel about this match? I thought the match itself was, was fine. I liked the opener a little better. Um, I like Juice Robinson a lot. I think he showed a lot in, a, a lot of talent in last year's G1 um, and some of the matches he did with Omega. And I think he had one with Tamatanga. I'd have to go back and look. There's two matches of his that really stood out last year that I, I liked a lot. Um, and I've kind of been a fan of his since then. I wasn't. I don't really remember him. I think he was, God, what was his name? Was it Rex something in WWE? I have to go back and look it up. But uh, I didn't have much exposure to him in NXT slash WWE, or maybe it was FCW when he was there. I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to go back, like I said. Uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of grown on me. So is Switchblade. So a feud between between those two could be very interesting and and uh, very entertaining. And uh, I look forward to seeing what they can do in the ring together. Um, I think they would be good opponents for each other with their in ring style. So it's something that's fun to think about. Hopefully they go that route. It'll be interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with Finley and uh, Yoshihashi, but uh, that's later, Chris, to figure out, I guess. I don't have any booking things for them right now, but uh, I, I like Juice Robinson a lot. Um, and like I said, Switchblade has, has grown on me over the past few months. Is it just me, or does Yoshihashi look like if someone did an anime version of the Cowardly Lion or some fucking shit like that? Like, he looks... He's, a, he's an interesting-looking cat, basically, is what I'm trying to say. All right. Next, he definitely, he definitely, definitely has, he definitely has, he definitely has anime hair for sure. <laughs> That's the best way to he put it. He has like, it. I don't know, feline quality to me, <laughs> like using cats or some shit. Man, <laughs> All right, anyways, um, Suzuki Gun, Manero Suzuki, and Zack Saber Jr. Like one of the fucking most like vicious, scary tag teams from hell. Uh, oh, um, against Chaos, which was Tomoro Ishii and Toro Yano. It's always fun to have Yano up there. Basically, this had nothing to do with Yano or even Zack Sabre Jr. This was Minoru Suzuki and Tomoyoro Ishii setting up what I think is going to be a fucking awesome dominant match between the two of them in the future, whether it be uh, at the Cow Palace, if that was announced, and I'm, I'm, I'm for some reason blanking on it, or at the G1 or something, two of them are going to have maybe a last man standing match or something. And I love the reaction, the facial expressions of both guys, because you got them striking the shit out of each other. And when Suzuki gets hit, he has that evil smile where he's, like, looking, you know, telling her to hit him again. And Ishii, it's like, I mean, he's, he's a stone pit bull. He doesn't have expression on his face at all. It's like, you know, like fighting a robot almost. And, my God, man, I, I really enjoyed their brawling afterwards. So, basically, within the match, Suzuki Gun went over Chaos, by submission with no-hands version of Ode to Jim Breaks from Saber on Yano. After the match, Ishii attacks Suzuki and beats him down at ringside. Monoro evens the score. They paced each other with slaps, and the young lions have to pull them apart. They go after chairs, start nodding each other, then fought all the way back into the back, which I thought was a really great touch. Chris, how would you like this match? 
I think it was good for what they were going for, which is, like you said, a setup match between Suzuki and Ishii. Um, Yano was Yano in the match. <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. did a pretty good job overall. Um, this is one of those weird storytelling matches. It was fun. It's not anything that I disliked. It just, compared to the matches we're about to get into, it's kind of something that I looked over a little bit, I guess. Uh, but Suzuki versus you know, Ishii is going to be a fucking banger. Uh, it's not been announced yet for the for the Cow Palace, as far as I know, but that would be really, really a really, really cool opening match. I'm assuming they'll probably end up in another tag team situation just because they already have four matches yeah. announced for them, and they're all kind of big matches, which I guess we can get into a little later, but there's some big bangers on that card already. So um, knowing how New Japan books, they'll probably end up in another tag match. Uh, a similar tag match to the one here, maybe a little bit wilder. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, if you're watching this, I wouldn't say necessarily skip it, but if you're really just looking for the high marks, you could probably watch a uh, a highlight reel for this match. Yep, that's kind of the best way to put it. It's all set up. I mean, honestly, you can go right to the end of the match and just, like, see the brawl basically take place because that's the most exciting part for sure. Uh, I just love seeing Suzuki. They didn't get a chance to really do much in this, and that's obviously like we were talking about with time. But I love Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki tag-teaming together. I love that spot that they do. I don't know if they did it in this match where one's doing a, a, you know, a submission hold and the other one's on like the legs and they keep on switching places and shit like that and just contorting him. Because, I mean, you got Suzuki, who is a legitimate you know, MMA legend, uh, just – a very scary dude, and then you have a Billy Robinson-inspired, you know, amazing UK professional wrestler in Zack Sabre Jr., so they're, they're, they're a fun tag team to watch. This match, like we both said, not so much, but the setup and the brawl afterwards was worth a little bit of, if, if you really care. But let's get to the never-open-weight championship match. The champion, Hiroki Goto, came in and went against both Michael Elgin and, for some reason, Taichi. Um... Can Taichi's seamstress work on his pants to make sure they don't fucking unbutton the whole entire time so he's not selling and trying to button up his pants on the side? Uh, just a just a little nitpick. Um, I actually the mat when it was when it was Goto and Elgin it was great and I I feel like Taichi kind of just I mean he, he took kicks uh, he you know got hit a bunch he would do some heelish shit once in a while I don't really get his fan of the opera porn star thing, whatever. Cool. I would have rather just seen Elgin and Goto go at it and had a banger of a match, two of them. I think he was kind of, like like I keep on saying, out of place. But some of the spots between the two of them, or just in general, hard-hitting match, as always with Goto. Elgin took the, the uh, championship, um, which I think he's now a two-time never-open-weight champion, I believe. Chris, how did you feel about this match? I the weird thing to me was putting the title on Elgin. Not that I have a problem with Elgin. It's just, I don't know that he's as over as he was like two, three years ago. I think that he has had some good matches in the past. Uh, even in the past year and a half, I think there were some, he had, he had a really, was it, he had a really good match against, was it Omega? Did he have a good match against? Omega. Yeah, it was. He had a really good match against Omega that uh, that stands out in my mind. But outside of that, uh, you don't really hear that much about Elgin anymore. So I, I was kind of came out of nowhere that he won the title here. I don't have a problem with it. I'm sure they have something for him to do. 
they definitely teased, you know, Elgin defending against Goto again uh, towards the end of that match. And, and there were some unique spots, and I thought overall it was a good match. Just nothing that was amazing, but nothing that was bad is the best way to put it. I, I would have watched this match again. It was, it was a fun match overall. Um, and there were some really cool spots, like uh, – like Elgin hitting a top rope, Conhilio, God, they can't pronounce it, and taking oh, out yeah. like uh, I forgot that spot. Gachi and Godo, which is just cool because Yeah, yeah, and he's a he's a big he's a big dude, so that was a cool spot. Like all of the floor spots they did, the the stacks. That was funny because I don't think he meant to just fall on his ass. I think he was trying to catch himself, but he did it like in a way where he just sat down like and put his arms up like yeah, totally meant to do that. It was actually pretty yeah, crazy, like pretty crazy to see a big guy like him do that. Yeah, like it, you know, anytime Elgin's going off the ropes, it's always fun. Um, there were some other spots that, that stood out, um, but yeah, I mean, I like I, I thought uh, was it Tai Tai Chi? I want to trying to pronounce. Mm-hmm. I always mispronounce. I liked his entrance into the match, like that fourth watching in general. <laughs> So check that out. Um, but yeah, like uh, it, it was fun. Uh, there was there was obviously it, it seemed like a match that was worked around some spots, and uh, obviously a title change setting up for Elgin versus Goto in the future. But outside of that, I really enjoyed it. So do you think they just prolonged the feud? Uh, like I'm 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 just trying to find out strategically like what was the point of having him in the match, you know, or I guess so they can have a singles later on for the rebuttal. I guess that's the main reason. I don't I think the the idea was to get the title off of Goto without Goto taking a pin. Uh, that makes sense. They just yeah, WWE like did, where it's like here here's a three-way match and, you know, Elgin gets the win, but he didn't actually pin the champion so we can set up a rematch. Cuz the champion didn't actually lose. And you know New Japan, like, if their champion loses, they don't get a direct rematch most of There's always another challenger who's the next one up. Um, so when they book something like this, it's usually because we want to make it seem like the champion didn't really lose, so we can go straight back into whatever we want to do with it. Um, so I don't want to say he was filler for the match, because I think he played his part very well, but it, I think that was definitely the storyline. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right, well, let's go with the next match. Uh, we have the Bucks, Matt and Nick, um, going against Los Cinco Granables de Capón with Evil and Sonata, uh, who were the champions. Um, this is a great match, back and forth. Uh, I always get the mix up. I think Nick Jack- Nick Jackson has been uh, – he actually has a legitimate, like, lower back in- uh, injury, but he's been nursing it and using it in such a great way for storytelling purposes that I really would like certain people out there in the internet to get off their fucking nuts and quit saying they're spot monkeys. I agree that there are lots of guys like that, but what they have been able to pull off, and especially him right now with this whole injury and bringing it to this, and not only that, but like Matt was in the match, one of his legs got messed up and they kept on working on his legs. So there was a part where they tried to do the uh, indie taker and he couldn't, you know, springboard. He just fell off and stuff like that. It's just, you know, even if it looks kind of clumsy, it's supposed to. It's because it's supposed to represent real life, and I like stuff like that. That Those type of touches are great, and I think these guys 
are monsters when it comes to tag wrestling, and, and Sonata and Evil, for that matter, too. They're great. So this is, a, this is an awesome match. Uh, the Bucks, after changing weight classes, are now the heavyweight tag champions uh, over Evil and Sonata. Chris, how did you like this match? I actually really enjoyed it. I think, I think this was a big night for the Elite in general. And this was one of my favorite matches of the show. Uh, it, it started out kind of slow, but the last, I don't know, five to eight minutes of this match were awesome. Specifically where, uh, you know, Nick was getting beat down. He had the enziguri. You had the tag in. And then you went for the uh, indie taker. Um, and obviously that failed. And Evil pulled Nick off the apron. You had the sharp shooter spot on Evil. Like that back and forth that they had towards the end of that match uh, with Evil hitting Darkness Falls and, and then going for the STO, and then Matt turning it into an indie taker attempt. Like, that entire section of that match was really, really great. Um, so, and I, like, I wrote, like, while I was watching it, I think I, I was, like, texting, I can't remember, it's one of my friends. And anyways, I, was, I don't want to call out names also. I don't know if he wants to be involved in the show, but I was like, holy shit, Evil might get the win here when he hit Darkness Falls. <laughs> And I was like, holy shit, never mind. Because <laughs> I thought that was going to be the end. So they kind of surprised me there a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed the match. I, I, I thought it was uh, one of the better matches on the card. Obviously, there was a lot of really good ones. Um, out of the matches we've talked about thus far, we're ranking in order. This one is up there higher than the rest. Of them. Uh, for me, at least. And uh, I agree with you. I think the Young Bucks have proven that they can do more than spots. Um, obviously it's easy to connotation on them because of what they've done in the past uh, in some of the smaller federations, but also they did a really good job at making a name for themselves. So sometimes you got to do shitty stuff to uh, get yourself over. And I think they've done a great job at that. And I think they've had some really good matches. Uh, this match was really good. And then the match they had obviously against the golden lovers was pretty damn awesome. So uh, right now I'm, yeah. I'm in the young bucks corner on defending the young bucks. I guess me, you and Dave Meltzer. <laughs> so right. there's always what, what that. you have to understand. What you have to understand, Chris, is that, uh, you know, with the young bucks, they're, they're, they're a great uh, pair of, uh, you know, Okada, uh, Omega Okada. That's it. That's all I got for my Dave Meltzer impression. Um, <laughs> names and words. <laughs> Like I'm acting as if he's like uh, you know John Madden, like how people will do the John Madden impression and be like, "Hey, I'm John Madden. If if you look at a football going down the field, Brett Favre, you know Brett Favre, Brett Favre, Brett Favre." Uh, yeah. That yeah, pretty happening. much. <laughs> All yeah. right, let's move on. Uh, this this one, if these are not like one of the the one of the biggest baby face like tag teams of all time, I don't know what is. But you have Bullet Club, uh, Cody Rhodes, Tangman Page, and Marty Skrull. Three guys that are great at being heels, especially uh, Mr. Cody. Um, n- nothing against Marty, but Cody's on a roll this year. He even proves it later on, but we'll get to that. Uh, Tanahashi, Jushin Liger, and Rey Mysterio Jr., and they lost. Um, basically, Jr. Uh, lost by pinfall with Crossroads from Cody. No, no, no. Liger lost from Cody with the Crossroads. Um, I know they had, didn't have a lot of time, and I think they did a lot of cool stuff. I don't think Liger, I mean, I, I get the strategy. I really do. I don't think he was in for 
too much of a match, and I really wish I could see more of Ray specifically with Cody, but this is kind of looking and hinting at we could have a match like that in the future between Ray and one of the other ones. Uh, but still, like I said, name a three-person babyface team that is more babyface than Tanahashi, Liger, and Mysterio. Chris, you got anything? From all time or just <laughs> for right now? You, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can only pick guys from the 1940s. Okay. So that's going to be hard. But what about, like, if the Rockers teamed with, like, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? Yeah, that that, that would be a pretty good, suitable uh, team to go against. Uh, touche. Touche. <laughs> but, yes, no, I agree. It's a ridiculous amount of in this match. And it was just fun. I mean, it was nonstop. I, I knew I, – I just had a feeling Cody's team was going over. Um, it didn't ruin the match for me as a kid growing up. The first time I saw Jushin Thunder Liger in WCW, even though he was actually a, kind of a heel, when I saw him, I was like, this dude is the best. Look at this outfit. <laughs> I thought <laughs> he was like the four, Power so I, I was like four or five, so I thought he was like, you know, <laughs> I called it an outfit back then. But um, <laughs> it was <laughs> fucking amazing. So I've always been a huge Liger fan. So seeing him work with Ray was just really fun for me. You know, as quick as the match was, they kept it the entire time. Um, Cody hitting push-ups at the beginning, just typical, just basic heel stuff, and then Tana doing some push-ups. <laughs> like, there's just some fun spots in this match. you got to see the 619. Um, or setting, you got to see the setup, and then you got to see this, you know, the hit on page. I, I just thought it was a fun. It, it was exactly what it needed to be, which is let's alleviate let's alleviate some tension. We uh we had we had two title changes, right? Let's put a fun match here. I think they accomplished that with their three this three way match. Hills, uh, you know, even though the hills went over, uh, but it takes you into Takahashi versus Osprey, and uh, I I think for the spot in spot in time they gave them, it was a fun like fun match full of action and uh, you know holy shit, like, when you really look at everyone that was in that match, the, some of the, probably, I would say two of the top heels currently with uh, Cody and, they're definitely in the top 15 with Cody and Marty, and then, you know, you got some of the the biggest baby faces of all time with Rey Mysterio and Justin Thunderlike. Uh, Tanahashi, he's he's getting up there, but, I, I you know, it was just a fun, fun match, and I, I'm sure if you were in the crowd, this could have easily been one of your favorite matches. <laughs> Um, just because of the talent that was in there and how fast the match was. Like, they kept that thing moving the entire time, so I appreciated that. It wasn't any lulls. Yep, it was definitely enjoyable. Um, I'm surprised, honestly, Chris, because they wanted to do this beforehand when Ray got injured. Why didn't they just go with Liger versus Mysterio? You know, I guess it's probably because they see putting Rey Mysterio into G1 as a baby face is a bigger deal than as a heel. And in Japan, I think he would have to kind of play the heel at the point with Liger's run. If Liger already had his last, well, he said it was his last G1 last year. Um, so maybe they just, they just looked at it as like, Hey, it'd make more sense to just have a, a heel face or a heel team and a, a baby face. Team. And I have no problem with that. Like, obviously there's yeah. more they uh, especially with G1. Like, there's feuds you can set up out of that that'll be really fun. So, 
to me, this is just a fun match and a way to get Ray's foot in the door. If he and, and also they don't know if Ray's going to stick around um, because he has still been talking with WWE as far as I know. So uh, he might not even be around for G1. It just depends on what they get going for Ray and what they want to do. I agree. All right. Well, as far, move as, on far as I know, I he would... he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have an actual contract, as far as I know, with New Japan or with anyone right now. He's just taking dates. So that, that's well, how I saw it. All right. Well, yeah. Let's get to this match that probably I will say was the uh, most brutal match on the whole entire card. Hiromu uh, Takahashi uh, went against the champion, the light. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay. And it was a long, grueling match. I don't, maybe it wasn't too long. It was, it was at least 30, maybe 35 to 40 minutes, I would say, or it seemed like it at least. I just saw Hiromu have an incredible match with Ishimori at the end of the Super Juniors. And they went into the crowd. And this was still pretty damn impressive. Takahashi could take a fucking beating. I mean, the dude looks like an evil anime character, like one of those bad guys that has, like, that evil smile and their eyes do that weird thing. He looks like that naturally. Uh, so he looks intimidating, but just the screaming between the two of them, like, that they were, you know, either selling or feeling real pain. I couldn't tell. Um, just the amount, like, that one spot, Chris, where it was um, a reverse arana, then one of them got right back up and then gave the other one, I believe, a reverse arana. Man, they were just annihilating each other. I think one of the scariest spots, uh, you know, Takahashi kept on trying to get Osprey in the arm bar. He did at one point. Uh, Osprey brought him up, tried to, like, one-arm powerbomb him, and that took the situation to see a lot of wrestling. Uh, you know, he still stays on with the arm bar. Uh, Osprey picks him up and puts him over and went to cradle him and kind of do it very similar to the, um, the one-wing angel. But there was no protection of Takahashi's head and just dumped his whole body on top of his head. It was like, oh! It was probably like when, uh, what was it, that move, the uh, the Spanish fly that happened in, in the match with Marty's girl, like, on the side apron. Like, my lord, they just beat the living hell out of each other. Finally, Takahashi won with the time bomb. He is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, another title change. Chris, how'd you feel about this match? I liked the match a whole hell of a fucking lot. Uh, there were two scary spots in it. They both got dropped on their head at least once in that match. Um, so from that standpoint, I didn't like particular spots. But from everything else, I, I like the finish. I am a Takahashi fan. I love his cat, Daryl. Rest in peace, original Daryl. Poor uh, Daryl. little... His little stuffed kitty. <laughs> Nato, you're so evil. Bad luck folly um, is an evil person. <laughs> bad luck. Yeah, that's who it was. Bad luck folly is an evil, evil man. <laughs> so I'm glad that he got the title. I, I like Osprey a lot as well, but I, I, I kind of lean more toward Takahashi as a fan. So it was a really fun match. Um, and once again, this was one where the, the end segment of this match, I think, kind of really made it. Um, with the reversals and, you know, the Robinson special and then going for the Ozcutter. Uh, that that whole section, that section leading into towards the end of the match, I thought was really great. You know, I was wondering with this is, well, Osprey has been in the light heavyweight game for a long time. Um, obviously, he's a very fast wrestler. 
when he went to get to Okada, I was wondering if they were warming up to the concept of having Will put on a little bit of weight. He's already like 6'2", 6'3", to see if he could, you know, like what Kenny did, transition and hang with the other guys. And I have to say that if they did it right, I would love to see at least a match between Kenny Omega versus maybe a heel Will Ospreay, or not Will Ospreay. Uh, yeah, yeah, a heel Will Ospreay. I thought I said Zack Sabre Jr. Same thing, British guy. Anyways, a heel Will Ospreay trying to avenge Okada or just to some extent. Um, do you think that could be possible, or do you don't think there's, – there's not a lot of guys, it seems like, in the uh, light heavyweight division. Maybe that wouldn't be possible. I think it de- I think it depends on it. I mean, if he's facing the big three, who I consider in New Japan, Nato, Okada, or Kenny Omega, I think they can make anything possible. I think the match that he had with Okada was very believable just because of how well they work together. And the biggest yep. thing is making you know, being able to make the crowd suspend their disbelief. Um, I don't really care about size. You can tell a great story even if you have, you know, the big show versus Rey Mysterio Jr. if it's done right. It's just a matter yep. of the storytelling that goes into the match. And uh, do I think Will Osprey and Okada or Will Osprey and NATO or Will Osprey and, you know, Omega could tell a great story in the ring? The answer to that is yes, and I think they could have a really great match. Well, I agree, and I'm looking to see, uh, looking forward to seeing Hiromu. I'm just hoping, Chris, that his next opponent, I feel like I could just say it's going to be Kushida, and I'm hoping that it's not going to be uh, Skrull or, or Kushida and that we'll get more of the Ishimori um, Bone Soldier feud going forward because I would I would hope that the next person wouldn't be another guy that's already had the belt and they would try out uh, Ishimori uh, going for, uh, forward. Um, how do you feel about that? I can see you going. I can see it going either way. I can see Will Osprey having a, a rematch or there being a a three-way match or something, depending on what they want to do with the title. Uh, but I, I honestly think Takahashi is going to hold it for a little bit. So um, whoever he ends up cheating with after this will probably be transitional to whatever champion they want to, whoever they end up wanting to put the belt on. Absolutely. Let's go to the second-to-last match uh, for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. We had Tetsuya Naito, the champion, going against Chris Jericho. Judith hit. Um, or Judas, I should say. Yeah, Judas hit, uh, and you heard that wonderful song from Fozzie playing throughout the arena. Chris Jericho came out. Um, he was like, I guess, Clockwork Orange is what he said he was going for. Looked more like a crow type of concept. Whatever. Cool. He's a rock star. He can do whatever. Walks down to the ring, struts down to it. Nido comes out in his suit. And what's great about the camera angles is that they were, you know, really good about keeping Jericho out of the shot. Uh, when Jericho comes around the ring, attacks Naito, still in his suit, just starts beating the living shit out of him, screaming and cussing at both him and Red Shoes. Um, you know, the, the brawl would, pers- would, like, end up where he put Naito, I believe, through a table. Right? No, maybe that was, maybe I'm getting that mixed up with Omega and Okada where it was the uh, powerbomb. No, 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 I think that was Jericho. He did it perfectly to Naito, right in the middle, so he wouldn't hit any of the metal parts. I do remember that distinctly. Shortly after that, uh, drags the fight over past Don Callis and Kevin Kelly at one of the other uh, announcement tables and does a DDT onto Naito, spiked him. Uh, table doesn't, doesn't bust. Uh, goes in the ring, 
is just wailing on him every time Naito comes back a little bit. Jericho gets the better of him. Uh, finally, Naito comes back, then takes the fight to Jericho, starts beating the shit out of him. They're going back and forth. He gets him back outside to the same exact table uh, who had a, a new tablecloth or whatever uh, put on it. Looks that motherfucker off again and gives him a pile driver onto it. Spike pile driver. Thing still doesn't break. Those things are so tough. Um, and basically, like, it was, it was Jericho beat the shit out of Naito for about 15 minutes. And then Naito had a little bit of a comeback, and they got into it, and Jericho, you know, got him with a low blow, uh, and then a code breaker to win the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Now, uh, overall, with his nine wins at WWE and his one in New Japan, he is a ten-time Intercontinental Champion. Um, and it was I did not see that coming, Chris. I, I did not think Jericho was going to get the belt. Uh, very took me by surprise, basically. There were a couple, I would say, the thing is, like, people, you know, kind of broke down this match. It was a street fight. They were beating the shit out of each other. It was kind of sloppy. You could tell that Jericho was trying to get him to do certain things again because he was very loud, but, you know, you got to get over shit like that. And there was one of those things where I think Neto wanted to go to Udivestino. He was supposed to reverse it, but he kind of fell over, knocked him into the ropes, but then countered off of it and rolled him up for a three count, which I thought was handled pretty well because, I mean, if you think about that in retrospect, these guys are knocking each other silly. That could be a possibility. So stuff like that doesn't bother me as much as other people. But it wasn't anything like the next match is a masterpiece, and this is, you know, uh, art that you look at and appreciate what it is, basically. Uh, Is that a good way of putting it, Chris? I I would say so. I mean, I think the the biggest – the only real – I mean – there was obviously a stumble on the Destino. Um, the biggest, the biggest botch I saw in the entire thing was the DDT on the timekeeper's table. Nato's head kind of like landed a, like pretty awkwardly, but he was fine. And I think that's actually what cut him open, as far as I could tell. Um, there was a badass imagery with him wearing the white entrance suit still and just bleeding all over it, which I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah, uh, kind of remind me of some old school, you know, a little bit of old school wrestling. Uh, the one thing I will say about Jericho is that he has channeled his inner Terry Funk and found a way to work at his older age um, with this brawler style. If he's going to keep this up in New Japan, that I never would have expected from Chris Jericho. I think what he's doing right now is better than anything he's done in WWE. Not necessarily his character and the character he's portraying, not necessarily the the mic skills or anything, but what he's been able to do in the ring recently with this new style he's kind of adapted as more of just a straight brawler, badass. Uh, Doesn't give a shit about the New Japan fans or New Japan wrestling. Kind of disrespectful is a turn on Jericho. I didn't expect. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And it just further points to Jericho being, like, if not the greatest, one of the greatest of all time, especially for as long as he's been doing the damn thing. Uh, I, I liked the way that they used the ropes in this match, where there was a couple near falls, um, and the rope breaks actually made sense because they were coming off finishers, um, and they were spaced out. And the other thing was just I straight really enjoyed the low blow that actually made sense in this match, followed by the code breaker for yep. the pin. Um, and then I liked the evil came out 
to save NATO and Jericho just took a powder until dipped with a belt, like after a beatdown. So now you have you can go NATO Jericho again, or you can go evil Jericho, which both would be awesome because to see evil and Jericho brawl with one another would be a hell of a lot of fucking fun. So I'm yep. excited for anything they do with Jericho going forward. I was really surprised they put the title on him. I, I really was. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, but after seeing his last two matches, obviously I don't think this one was as good as his match at Wrestle Kingdom with Omega, but it was a hell of a really good match, and Jericho was furthering this character in a way where, yeah, technically maybe the matches won't be as good as what he did with Omega, but I don't think they have to be. I think they can be good in the same way as Terry Funk was good in ECW. Um, playing kind of the old grizzled veteran who's sick of these these new wrestlers bullshit. Uh, and that's interesting to me, especially with the the way they portrayed him, where he's like, uh, Nate, like there was the promo where he's looking at the little turtle, and he's like, you know what you're going to do, Nato? You're just going to put your head inside your shell, just like this turtle. Like, Jericho fucking legend, man. <laughs> like, fucking love Jericho. He has slowly climbed into my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. It took a lot of clawing to get there, because there's some names up there. He has slowly, past four or five years, clawed his way up there. That's a different conversation for a different day, though. But that was uh, a lot of fucking fun and something I definitely recommend watching. And congratulations for Jericho for winning uh, the Intercontinental just title. So, just so many incredible different iterations of Jericho. The classic, you know, but well, I guess Smokey Mountain would be the first one. But I'm just talking about like ECW, the Lionheart, Babyface, going to WCW. And then when he turned up the notch and was like, took a little bit more inspiration from Piper and started doing... Uh, the man of a thousand and one holds and knocked out whatchamacallit. It wasn't a coconut, but it was something similar and started doing that on WCW, saying he was beating Goldberg, all that antics. Then he becomes, he comes to WWF, uh, you know, calls up or comes and interrupts a rock and then, you know, becomes undisputed champion, beating both Stone Cold and the rock in the same night, which he will tell you. Um, and his amazing match with Sean. But I think it, everyone, you know, they say, and I went back and watched his feud, and it's incredible. When him and Sean had their, their set of matches, and he started being inspired by uh, the villain from um, No Country for Old Men and Nick Bockwinkle with that sadistic, much more silent style villain. And then you go to the, 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 the friendship um, thing with Kevin Owens, man, and that was great. And now he's reinvented himself again. He's like the fucking... Bowie or Madonna of professional wrestling, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is, like, there's never been an iteration of Jericho since his popularity rise in ECW. He had a slight lull in WCW, I guess, because he just they just gave him cruiserweight matches for a long time. But when he, when he turns it on and they give him camera time, I can't think of a time that the guy has never been over. He's either getting heat or he's over. There's never been an in-between where people are like, oh, okay, there's Jericho. And it doesn't even matter what country he's in. <laughs> like, <laughs> Chris nope. Jericho is fucking phenomenal. And the fact that he's able to yeah, still because... do he's able to do it 43 is incredible. And I hope other wrestlers are taking and... notes and learning how to change their styles in their later age in the same way that Jericho has someone like an AJ Styles eventually will have to go down this road. Um, even though he's an athletic freak, he's phenomenal. 
time catches up to everybody. So I, I really like this iteration in Jericho, and I can't wait to see him and Evil try to rip each other apart in some kind of brawl. Like, that is high on my list of shit that I want to see. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I completely agree with you. I just, very enjoyable match. Let's get down to the last match uh, of the night, which is, man, did Meltzer give this, like, a fucking 10 star? Like, what the hell did he, you know, he when he was describing this, dude, he was so excited, and I have to agree, man. It, it was an incredible match. I'm going to do a comparison, Chris, and I'm going to kind of take liberties, but I feel like, for me, if Kenny Omega versus Okada was the Avengers, you know, something I saw first really holds, like, a place in, in my heart for that style of entertainment because of just, like, the impact of seeing it for the first time and the first iteration of it. Say their second match that went to a draw is, like, Civil War, so I'm reversing it a little bit. Uh, their third one at the G1, the 30-minute one, was great, but I would say it's Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. This is fucking Infinity War, man. Holy shit. The stakes were so damn high. Uh, I honestly, Chris, I didn't think that, uh, that Omega was going to get it. I really didn't think. I was, when they got that first pinfall and he got him with a cradle, I was like, holy shit. And it just worked out perfectly. Just the match was flawless. I want to know how long they, 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 uh, they went over this thing because it looked like it was so well-placed and so well-timed. Um, Kenny is incredible with those V-triggers. You know, I, I listen to him in an interview, and, and he says that the majority of the time, you know, of course, you're going to get hit in the face by the knee a little bit. Most of the time, he's hitting him right in the chest. That's where the smack is or on the collarbone or somewhere around there, and it kind of like that stops the blow from hitting him in the head. But my God, they said, and it sounds like a cannon, especially like I think it was Don Callis, who, by the way, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis are one of the best commentating teams, uh, if not the best commentating team now, I'm going to say. I don't really care. If you think that's incorrect, these guys work off each other great. Uh, Don Callis is one of the best color commentators right now, and he, he really just adds so much to a match um, just with his, what he says, certain things. And I loved how emotional everyone got at the end of it. I, I told you this, Chris. This, to me, is the most gratifying championship win since me seeing Shawn Michaels beat Bret Hart for the Iron Man match when I was fucking a little kid back in, like, 95. Like, that to me was, like, I wanted it so badly in the way that wrestling was. A little bit back then, they were they kind of treated it, especially with that feud, more like it was a sport still. So they had those, those uh, you know, packages where it was much more sports-like on both sides of the story, them training, and then we finally had the Iron Man match. This one, I got so into wrestling recently. Obviously, I'm doing a podcast right now over it. When I saw that first match between the two of them, that was two years ago, and look at what they have both gone through. Um, Okada, my God, dude, one of the most incredible ch- championship runs. Um, uh, statistically, uh, Metzler says it's, it's you know up there with uh, Ric Flair, and, uh, and obviously Bruno probably has the most record, but as it co- comes to having consistent great matches at such a high quality, at such a, a, a fast rate, basically. That's what makes Okada a little bit different. And uh, no shame. Uh, I think that he'll have that belt again eventually in the future. He's incredible. Um, I just, you know, Omega, I'm just so happy he has a damn belt, man. I I hope he stays there for a while. I hope 
even if we lose the belt, you know, before Wrestle Kingdom, which I hope, you know, it's not way, way soon, but I'm just glad they gave him the belt. He fucking deserved it. He really helped New Japan, I think, over in the U.S., uh, you know, just kind of, he's trying to get that international flavor, which is going to make New Japan bigger. And uh, I was so happy to see him with the belt. I loved it when the Bucks came out and Nick was legitimately crying because he had his tat. It kind of reminded me of of, uh, of Eddie and uh, Chris when they both won the titles at Mania back-to-back back back and had an emotional moment, you know. And now we have the Golden Elite, which it seems like, those guys are not Bullet Club anymore. Now it seems like they're their own faction. Uh, you know, we had all of them celebrating. Cody comes out. He's about to come out to the ring and then shakes his head and goes back. And we're going to get to the matches uh, that are going to be happening over at the Cow Palace, including the two of them. But I thought this match was fucking incredible. How'd you feel? I was a fan. Go ahead and say of Omega beforehand, um, more because he's really well known in the Street Fighter community, and I love Street Fighter. Uh, so the first time I saw that Okada Omega match, the first one, it really did stand out in my mind. And until now, that was my favorite Omega Okada match through all three of them. Debatably, you know, the second one I think got higher ratings from other people, but the first one was always my favorite until now. And there's no way for me to break this down through move by move. Just those two's chemistry in the ring. The only thing I can compare it to is Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I don't think anyone has ever had those kind of matches besides probably Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, where you can honestly say on any given night, you put those two in the ring together, they're going to have the best match. It may not be the best match they've ever had together, but it's going to be the best match on the card. And this one was special. Uh, I think you know Omega winning the title finally was a huge deal. I don't think that that will that moment will be hard to oh, be overshadowed by anyone in a long time because of how long it took him to get there. Okada has held the title for what over 800 days. He's the longest title holder in New Japan history. He's beaten Omega, what, whether they, they're two, one, one, they're one and one with a time draw, right? So, like, yep. everything they did to build this match, uh, even though I didn't think they were going to go this route for the title change, has been incredible. Me neither. And that moment where he wins the title, and, you know, you have Nick and Matt show up in the ring, and they're trying to hand him the title, and he pushes them aside to give, like, Nick a hug. It's just such an emotional moment for all of those guys. One of those very rare things you've seen wrestling, like with Eddie and Chris both winning the title. Um, or with Sean winning the title for the first time in the 60-minute Ironman match, I think, is another great yep. comparison. Like, a guy who has been through hell in all of these Okada Omega matches, and slowly chipped away at Okada and thrown everything at him. Every finisher he could think of, even finishers from other leaders of the Bullet Club, <laughs> to try to that beat this was guy. Awesome. To finally get the win was a huge deal, great storytelling, great fucking match. No words is going to give this justice. If you're a wrestling fan, it doesn't matter if you like WWE, if you like New Japan, you like Ring of Honor, if you like PWG, if you like wrestling in general, this is one to watch. This is like 
the equivalent of like people are like when people go back now like 10 years from now and they're like what match should i watch right now it's always been and always will be well macho man versus dragon steamboat wrestlemania yep. or sean versus brett six man iron man match or you know even to some extent you get to you know austin versus brett this one's up there for me sean versus something Baker. i would definitely yep as something I would definitely recommend. If you, if you want great storytelling, you want a good fucking match that makes you actually feel something. This this is the one. I think this is the one that can make people become a wrestling fan, just like I thought the first one would. Um, I think the montage they showed at the beginning really summed up what everyone had been through. Um, well, specifically I about Omega, that, because you know what I loved about that montage and I didn't even mean this but when I say this is like the Infinity War the Avengers movies they even they did that in their uh, I don't know if you saw Infinity War did you? Yes. Yeah so I'm not getting spoiler warnings if you haven't watched Infinity War you obviously don't keep up with Geek Vibes and you know I mean that's it's, it's been too long it's been out for a while so I apologize but whatever but that line that you know, Kenny's going through that whole entire montage and they get to Kota Ibushi and Kota Ibushi says the line from Gamora from Infinity War, you know, what what did you lose in order to receive this? And, you know, then you have Kenny, who's Thanos, basically, in this situation. He thinks about uh, everything that's happened to him, him losing to Okada, you know, uh, the situation with the Young Bucks, the situation with Bullet Club, him and Cody, and he says everything. And it was so perfect that they referenced that movie because the match was, was an amazing, you know, just, I don't know. It's, it, like, like Chris said, it, it, it's very hard to try to talk about it. Uh, you just have to see this match. I have a lot to say. And go back and watch um, all the matches uh, with Kenny Omega and, and Okada. If you haven't got a chance, they're, they're incredible, incredible matches. Okada is one of the best today. Um, he, honestly, you can say, you know, I love to make comparisons. You guys all know that. Uh, if you want to give, you know, the Miz, the, the modern Ric Flair in the sense of the Mike guy, that's fine. And I, it's nothing against Miz's in-ring skill because he's gotten extremely good, I think, uh, compared to how he was. But Okada is that performance level of an 80s Ric Flair, and it's incredible. And honestly, I'll say something that might be unpopular. He's taking it to the next level, I think. And you have Kenny that's on that style of wrestler, like an AJ Styles, like a Shawn Michaels, um, like, you know, Owen Hart, like a lot of those type of amazing in-ring wrestlers that can do a little bit of everything. They get called high flyers, but I hate that term. Uh, I don't think they're high flyers. But, amazing ability at selling for both of them, which is something that comes with that trait. And, I mean, they looked devastated. And I'm sure they were partially, but their selling abilities, making it look after Okada got the first fall and Kenny got the second fall with the one-wing angel. And after, you know, I love that the first one, it was kind of like a boxing match. Like, Okada's in the corner just, like, smiling. And he's like, I, he like, I don't know if he said, I got you, but he, like, points at Kenny. And they go into the match. Kenny's, like, dying. Second time, Kenny's, like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Like, I want to charge Okada, you know, and get him with the friggin' D-trigger. It was just nonstop. Kenny got the win. I was so happy. I literally jumped out of my seat. Even though 
I was scrolling on Facebook while this match was going at one point and found out that Kenny was the champion right before I fucking saw it. So, oh well, shit and, happens. And, but I, and, and I will happens. say this was the this is the perfect use of a roll up because it yeah. just like it set oh. it in your mind when he rolled him up for that first pinfall. It's set in your mind that's like, holy shit, Okada is unbeatable because Kenny Omega is beating the ever-loving fuck out of him going into that pinfall. Yep. But Okada still gets the pin. And you're like, he's just unbeatable. And I think it really set the tone for the match. And, and to me, that's part of the great storytelling and how, it's how I can't explain how good this match is unless you just watch it. Even if you're a diehard wrestling fan that's watched wrestling for 30 years, if you really pay attention to the storytelling they were able to accomplish in this match, it's fucking phenomenal. It's up there well, with even one of my like, favorites. If you take nostalgia out of the picture, out of the equation completely, then this might be the greatest match I've ever seen. Uh, but obviously, nostalgia plays a big part of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was damn fucking good. Put it that way. But these, when it comes to dancing partners, these guys are incredible. You know, they're up there with, like, what Sean had with Undertaker, what Sean had with Brett, what Ric Flair had with Steamboat, or Macho Man Steamboat. Like, that, you only get a couple of those guys. Um, I think Naito would be the third man within the, the, the triangle, if you will, the, the trinity of New Japan. They just, if, if any of those guys are going to match with each other, they're going to have a fucking amazing match. And, uh, yeah, man, um, I just, I, I don't even know what to say. Dave Metzler put it perfectly, Chris, that match was so good. And he's like, obviously I know, you know, wrestling is, is scripted, it's worked on, it's a work, but I got so invested in the match, I forgot that. And if wrestling is able to capture that concept, that's pretty incredible. And it does not happen often. And this also, for me, did the same thing. So, and I, I agree with you with the roll-up. I also think that about the the. the the ball shot, uh, you know, seeing Shinsuke fucking just overdo that. Um, the way that Chris did that to Naito and the way that Austin Aries did that to win the title back from uh, Pentagon, I thought was the right way to do it. It's really quick, knock the ref out of the way real quick, get a back kick real, like a, like a horse kick, if you will, and then do something right afterwards to get him in the, you know, to win. Now, not blatant and then a DQ, but whatever. Uh, speaking of which, this is going to take us into going over the uh, the pay-per-view for WWE. Well, actually, no, no, no. Let's not go to WWE yet. Let's talk about a couple of the matches, Chris, that's going to be at the Cow Palace that we know is is confirmed. I'm, I'm going to go over them, and I'm going to pass to you. Uh, I think I know what your answer is going to be, obviously, but who knows? Um, which one are you looking most forward to? Kenny Omega versus for the IWGP heavyweight title. There is no way in hell Cody's going to probably win the Ring of Honor title, so I'm just going to say right now. Cody's not winning that from Kenny. Um, the Unbucks versus Evil and Sonata, the rematch from Dominion for the IWGP tag titles. Bucks ain't losing that one. Uh, Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay versus Tsuya Naito and Bushi. That should be an amazing match. Um, I'm going to go with Okada getting a win. I think Naito's storyline right now is that he's on a losing. Like he's Slowly after that loss to Okada, they're, they're breaking him down, probably to build him back up is what I'm assuming. And then Jay White versus Juice Robinson for the U.S. title. Uh, I think that Juice is going to take that from Jay. I said that earlier. Chris, how do you feel about these matches so far? Um, 
which one are you looking forward to the most, and what match do you think will possibly get an add to this? Well, it's going to surprise you because the one that I think I'm looking forward to the most is probably Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata, the rematch. Um, I think that might be the best match of the night. It's going to be a banger of a match. I'm looking forward to Kenny versus Omega, but we already know that Cody's basically got to get the Ring of Honor title all in. Um, So I'm assuming he's going to lose here. And also Cody beat Kenny at at a Ring of Honor event recently. Um, So I don't think they're going to have Kenny lose right after coming off a win, uh, unless it's something screwy. Uh, For the Okada Osprey, Nato Bushi, I think you might see some Jericho interference of some sort, uh, whether it be a promo or something. I, I don't think they're done with Nato and, and Jericho yet. And if not, you may see it in the Young Bucks match. I think it's going to be one of the two. But I think Jericho will be at this event. Being this in San Francisco, there's going to be some kind of fuckery between these two matches. Uh, hopefully it's the Okada Osprey match just because I don't really care about them teaming together as much as I do, like, the Young Bucks and Evil and Sonata. Um, and then Jay Wyatt, uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson, I think, will be a good match. And like I said earlier, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, you know, Juice gets the win. Uh, but the one I'm looking the most forward to is probably Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata. I think that'll be the best match of the night. Kenny Omega and Cody, Cody are fine in the ring together. They just haven't done anything that's <laughs> – It's they're both good – but they're not great together, which is a weird thing to say, especially it, – it, it's always going to be overshadowed by how good fucking Omega is with <laughs> with Okada. And I think maybe you, yep. I would have went, you know, Cody and Okada um, <laughs> because they're not as closely linked as Omega and Cody at this point, um, which is kind of where I thought they were going to go was either Cody getting the title or NATO getting the title and then it wrapping it back, back around to Omega and Okada, which is what I said originally, just because uh, just like I've seen Kenny and Cody go before and it's, it's fine. It's just not going to be mind blowing. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to pull out an all time banger. It's just coming off the heels of that Okada match. I think this one will be a little, I'm not going to say lackluster. I think it'll be a good match. I think Cody will, get character across really, really it's well. It's going to be a different type of wrestling match, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think that Cody, if Cody enters the G1, I think he has a shot to win the G1 to challenge either Omega or Okada, depending on how they want to go down that line. Or you could see Okada versus Cody, you know, at the end of the G1, something like that. Um, So rumor has it, Chris, that uh, Chris Jericho, they haven't announced the G- they haven't announced the G one you know tournament. Like this is all at the Cow Palace, but they haven't announced who's actually in the tournament. Other than there's going to be these title matches, but just because you're in a title match doesn't mean you're not in the G one itself, right? I'm not. This is a G one sure, special but... event, so we'd have to. I would have to research it a little bit more, but I'm assuming that some of these people will end up being in the G one tournament. So like. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I would say probably, I mean, it'd be really weird for Evil not to be in the G1 tournament after his performance last year. Like, there's yeah. certain people in this well, I'm looking at, and I'm like, they're going to also be in the G1. Um, NATO not having a title would make sense for him to be in the G1. Chris Jericho. Well, no, I'm, try, I'm not, trying to, I keep on trying to talk about Jericho. Uh, apparently, Jericho will not be defending the Intercom title because he said, 
This is a rumor and innuendo, but he doesn't want to basically wrestle in the States for New Japan, if that makes sense, to still be yeah. on full terms with with Vince. That's the rumor, but it hasn't been confirmed or not. Okay. Well, to clarify, this, this event we're talking about is on July 7th, and then on this month, on the 17th, 18th, and 19th, they're announcing the G1 participants and all the blocks. So next week, we should have the hot tips on that. Um, of who's actually in the tournament? Because just because these are in the like these are the people in these matches, don't mean they won't also be in the tournament. Uh, because I would assume that Evil, yeah. Osprey, and NATO will end up in this tournament in some capacity. Probably Juice Robinson as well. Um, but yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what that. That's the thing that's more curious. I know the the June seventeenth card when they're doing the announcing, as far as I can tell, is going to be Elgin versus Goto for the Never Openweight Title. That's going to be the big match, and you'll probably see a bunch of three-way matches because that's how they usually set up the G1. But, yeah, that's this entire month, the month of July, is going to be really intriguing um, with what they do with G1 and also Kenny Omega being champion. I think I – think I'm convinced he's going to retain. I, I just don't see him losing. But outside of that, like, yeah, Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata I think will be the match – to watch at the Cal Palace. If you're lucky enough to live in the San Francisco area, I would try to get some tickets and go see what will be one hell of an event more than likely. All right. Well, you uh, ready to talk about WWE pay-per-views? Are we going to start with the good one? Or are we going to start with what could be all right? Because <laughs> there's also well, an NXT Chris- paper. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 go over takeover, but we got to go over. Let's let's go through Money in the Bank. Um, which for us, since the gimmick match like Money in the Bank, we should have potentially some good matches on here. It's just really like I said, it's hard. It's going to be hard for me not to have Dominion in my mind. I know NXT is probably going to have some great matches, but I'm also going to say optimistic. There's probably going to be some really good matches on here. I'm, I don't think all of them will be, but let's just get down to it. Uh, I'm just going to ask you uh, your predictions on the men's Money in the Bank match. you got Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, The Miz, Rusev. We don't know who the member of the New Day is. Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe. Who do you think is going to win? Which member of the New Day is coming out to represent their team? I I still really feel like it's Kofi. (laughs) I really do. Um think that anyone in the New Day is going to win, so it's probably not as big of a deal. I think if Kofi won, it would be fucking amazing, and everybody would be really excited about that, but I don't think that's going to happen. I honestly... It's hard to pick against Braun. I I, I think I'm going to go Braun Strowman in the men's match. If I had to go outside of Braun, I'd probably go Samoa Joe, but I feel like they already know what they want to do on SmackDown, title-wise. Um... I don't know. I know that the biggest betting odds is the Miz to win this thing. That's who I think. <laughs> I don't know what that tells you, but Vegas also has the Miz with the highest odds of winning money in the bank, which would not be that far-fetched because Miz does really well in these weird ladder matches. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think Braun taking the title from Lesnar makes the most sense on Raw, especially because he's done after SummerSlam. So... Yeah, I think they could go that route. Miz would make sense, and Joe would make sense if you're building feuds on SmackDown. 
I'm going to go with the Miz or Samoa Joe. I think that Heel's going to win this because one of my reasonings, uh, you know, just just it's just WWE now. Uh, the women's <laughs> the women's money in the bank match has one heel in it uh, with Alexa Bliss. I don't think she's getting that briefcase for some reason. I think it's either going to be Samoa Joe or the Miz. Uh, the Miz is really who I'm clinging to. Braun Strowman between them. And I have to say, Rob SmackDown had some great matches this week, uh, very entertaining matches, but it just sucks that the storyline and the programming itself just sucked for the most part. Um, glad Baron Corbin finally got rid of his fucking skullet, though. Jesus Christ. Um, but, yeah, the New Day is a really cool concept. I don't care if it's any, either, any of them, basically. I would love, and me and you have both said this, for one of them to win it, and they kind of hot potato between the three of them with the briefcase, and then even possibly, you know, Freebird, the actual title for a short period of time. And the way that Vince is with them, I don't think that that's so crazy. And also it would just be good because, you know, they have a lot of faith in them, and they're all giving him the championship. So it would be very interesting. I think it's going to be the Miz, though. I think he's going to do something heelish. Braun Strowman, even though he won, uh, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and Bobby Roode taking on him uh, – at Raw and going three against one show that they can do some damage to him. Then, the, then again, he took a coup de gras, uh, the uh, DDT from Bobby Lashley, and then also a five-star frog splash through a table. Uh, so still got up, still won, but I just don't think Braun needs it. I, don't, I, I think that that, that would be, uh, be uh, weird to put it on him, but who knows? He could just probably Braun is... grab it with one fucking hand. Braun is slowly being a cancer to that roster with the way they're booking him. He, he shouldn't strong. be beating. He shouldn't be beating three heavyweights. Like I, I'm. They booked him strong. He doesn't need to be booked any stronger. Like he's believable nope. to win every match. I having him beat all three of those guys was fucking ridiculous for different reasons. And I think it would be really funny, <laughs> especially if it. he somehow knocked knocked Braun off. <laughs> I just that feel would like be typical of his fashion. You would be setting up potentially for Miz to get the title, and then Daniel Bryan and Miz to have their feud, and then possibly Daniel Bryan getting his next championship win from beating the Miz after a pretty decent feud. That'll probably none of that will probably happen. But let's move on, Chris, to the women's Money in the Bank match. You got Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Becky Lynch. Alexa Bliss, Natalia, Lana, Sasha Banks. I got to say that match with um, who was it? It was it was Natalia, Ember Moon, uh, Alexa Bliss, and Sasha Banks was a pretty good match. Couple sloppy parts, and I thought that I thought Sasha got killed by Ember Moon with that that um, that suicide dive. But uh, those women, there's a lot of great wrestlers just in general in WWE. Uh, who do you think is going to win? the women's money in the bank. I'm going to go with the person I've been saying, which is Becky Lynch. I think that she's, she won against Charlotte. She's like, she had kind of what like they're doing tonight though. She was going down and now she's coming back up. Like they build her down to get her to come back up. So I could really see her winning this. Chris, who do you got? I'm going to go on a limb and say maybe Ember Moon. I think Ember Moon might be a surprise pick. That's who I'm going to go with. I would love that. Uh, She's personally my favorite in the match, character-wise and in-ring-wise. So I'm, I'm going to go with Ember Moon. But uh, 
I don't, I don't think you're far-fetched with Becky Lynch. She'd probably be my follow-up if I had to pick, you know, two. I think Ember's my follow-up, so that makes a lot of sense, Sam. All right, WWE Championship match. The ball-slapping man himself, Shinsuke Nakamura, against AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. Last man standing. I think Shinsuke's going to finally get the belt. I love AJ, two-time champion. Uh, he's won, I think, the IC belt and the U.S. belt. I don't think it's bad for him not to have the belt. He's had it for a while. And I would like to see a heel Shinsuke with the belt. That sounds interesting. I just hope the, the matches have gotten progressively better, unfortunately, since WrestleMania. The one at the Royal Rumble was better than the one at Mania, the, the greatest Royal Rumble and whatnot. Their next one was probably the best one they've had. I think this one, I, it should outdo all of them. They should give them a bunch of time. I let them have just a great brawl match with both of them just going at it. Watch it be some type of screwy finish. Still, Shinsuke Nakamura for me. Who do you got, Chris? Last man standing matches are generally terrible, so I don't think this will be a really good match. Um, as far as who's going to win, I think Nakamura will win. It'd be interesting to see if Anderson and Gallows get involved to screw over AJ Styles. Something of that nature. Um, that would be generally speaking, though, watching someone be like, are you sure you can continue on a microphone um, has equated to garbage in the past, like, 10 years. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this is probably going to be a bad match. But I do think Nakamura will get the title. Um, if they kept it on AJ, then that's almost a guarantee that, like, Miz has won. Because they're not going to go Miz versus Nakamura. Which would mean that yeah. Nakamura would have the title pretty quick. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is a last man standing match where the if you drop the referee has to count to 10 as opposed to an I quit match where they're asked if they're done, right? Is that what they're doing? Okay. So, yeah, okay. I don't know. WWE, uh, yes. Well, never mind. Shinsuke's it's, always it's, doing it's, the it's, 10, it's, 9, all, counting down from 10. Okay. Six, so. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. Never mind. But these matches aren't great either, considering they never use the 10 rule in every any other match. I, good point. Can you think of a good, like, last man standing or, like, I quit match in the past 10 years? I don't even remember the last, honestly. The, la- no the last one I, I remember is, like, The Miz versus John Cena, and they voice clipped John Cena saying, I and quit separately and clipped it together, and The Miz won be a Titan John. So they did the wait, wait, they did the same exact thing they did back in the day with uh Nick Foley losing the match with having the yes. I quit thing in the audio. Yes. My God. Mm-hmm. That's yep. just sloppy and stupid. And then the last like <sighs> the last time I the last time I remember like a double count out well an actual like knockdown count out, not like both members are out of the ring has been forever ago. <laughs> so, or a standing 10 Jesus. count. When's the last time they've just done a standing 10 count? Like, they hadn't even done a five count disqualification until Kevin Owens brought it back the other day. <laughs> Which confused everyone on the internet, <laughs> by the way. They're like, oh, how the fuck? Why, why did the match end? It's like, well, because he didn't break the five count. That's how. Uh, that match is going to be bad. Do? Don't get excited about the I match. I'm, gonna, I'm telling all of our fans, don't get excited about the match. 
It's going to be bad. AJ Styles is not a great brawler, and neither is Shinsuke. So putting him in this match is actually taking away from the things they could do in the ring. They're going to find out. I'm just going to try to be optimistic, but you're probably right. Uh, Raw Women's Championship match. we got Nia Jax, the champion, going against Ronda Rousey. I thought Roundup pulled, and it's not saying much, but I think she pulled her best promo uh, when they got together last. I also thought she was incredible how she got that armbar on. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing the two of them. Um, there's speculation that Natalia might win and then go and cash in, or whoever wins go and cash in and screw over Ronda, kind of like how Seth Rollins did to Roman Reigns by beating, or whoever he beat, to, to get the title, basically. Um, so there's that. I think, I'm going to say it, Ronda Rousey is going to win, but I, there's a good possibility she'll get screwed over in some way because of the money in the bank. Uh, winner. If not, I think she's going to be a new champion. What do you think? I think it's honestly too soon to put the belt on her, and the reason being is that her entire promo is going into this is that she wanted to earn it, and I don't think the fans will think that she earned it after two matches. Um, I think the screw job finish is probably fine in this situation. If you're going to go that route, I don't necessarily know I'd go Becky Lynch. Ember Moon would make sense. You could turn Ember Moon heel really easily. You could also go Alexa Bliss. Um, she could technically run in and chair shot both of them and then cash in. It's not like she can get disqualified. So I, I think a screw finish could, could happen. Um, I do know that the title is more than likely staying hands unless they change it back very quickly because they have a Madison Square Garden match coming up where the title's on the line. So either Nia's going to keep it or Ronda's winning it. Just based on how they built oh. that Madison Square Garden show. Well, let's go to the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. We've got Carmella, the champion, uh, going against Asuka. I think um, I think Mella's money's over. I think Asuka's going to win. Um, I'm almost most positive about that, actually. I'm pretty sure Asuka's going to be our champion. Then again, I said this last time in a situation where I thought Shinsuke was going to win at WrestleMania, and we'd have uh, the first Japanese uh, male and female champion, and obviously that didn't happen. So who knows? Maybe Carmella will win in some skillless fashion, maybe involving the Iconics or something. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I think Carmella's screwed because of the heat that's going on with uh, her husband or her hubby right now. So even if they were going to do something with her, I think Oscar's about to take the belt. Not to bring backstage politics into it, but Big Cass has been disobeying uh, Vince. So that usually doesn't turn out very well for the spouse. Oh, my I think they're Oscar done, actually. Not that I know that because yeah. of uh, total the Bellas. Yeah, yeah, total total divas or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna assume that Oscar wins this in general. Like Carmella's not that great in the ring. She's fine on the mic. No. Um, but do you do you really? What are you setting up? Do you really want to set up Carmella versus Charlotte or Carmella versus Becky versus Asuka? I'm, I'm assuming Asuka gets the title. All right. Here's a question about the IC uh, match. Intercontinental Championship match. Seth Rollins champion is going against Elias. Do you think there's going to be a time where people get confused of who the fuck's fighting who in this because they have, like, such a similar look? We had that problem on 2K, remember? Um you know, <laughs> both in black pants. It's it's like they're blended, uh, you know, together. I, I honestly think Elias is going to win the championship, 
This is the reason why, guys. I think he's going to do it, obviously, with some type of heel-like win technique maneuver, whatnot. Just so they, yeah, they have Seth go against them. He loses again for some reason, and then Seth starts getting pushed in the universal picture. And you give Elias, who's caught a lot of momentum, and give him a belt like the IC belt. I don't think that would be a bad thing at all. I really think Elias is probably going to win. Chris, what do you think? I think they'll hold off on the title change until Dean Ambrose comes back, and then I think they'll have Seth Rollins feud with Dean Ambrose. Because I think they oh, need the distraction. If 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 Elias is going to win, they can't give Seth Rollins a chance for a rematch, and I think putting him in a feud immediately would make the most sense. Yep. And I think there's a way to do that with Dean Ambrose. And then I think he could launch them both in the heavyweight title picture if you wanted. Um, but I oh, think that would happen. be the and I, I don't know if Dean's cleared yet. Says. It could. I, I just don't know if Dean's is. cleared. But if he's cleared, I turning Dean heel would probably be a really good idea coming back off an injury. Uh, fans will be excited to see him, but if he just comes straight out and he's a straight dick, knowing Dean Ambrose's ability to actually promo when you take the reins off him a little bit, I think that would be their best move, especially if they want to put the title on Eli. Otherwise, just keep it on Seth until you get, you figure out what you want to do. Because if you put it on Eli, then you're setting up a, a series of matches, and I don't think that's necessarily going to be the best thing for either of those guys. All right, the match everyone's looking forward to. Somehow, I feel like this is going to be the, uh, the last match on the fucking card somehow. Uh, Roman Reigns against Jinder Mahal, the modern-day Maharaja. Um, Roman Reigns has to win this. He just has to. Chris, what do you think? That's all I got. I'm done. I, I honestly don't give a shit about either of these people. Um, hopefully, Jinder wins. Yes. Then they have like a storyline where Roman has to rebuild himself and he goes off TV for two months because otherwise, him winning this match means absolutely nothing. All right, we got Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. Another situation I don't give a shit about. Um,. Bobby should be a damn heel right now. Uh, I have no idea why he's a smiley fucking baby face. Those uh, last two segments have been cringeworthy. Uh, Sammy's definitely losing. I, I, I don't know how. I mean, I guess he could possibly win, but I don't even know why the fuck they're in a feud to begin with. What do you think? I, I think Sammy's losing. He doesn't have a Kevin Owens connection really to fall back on right now. He could do, I mean, if they really want to go multiple matches with Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn, then I guess they could do that where Sami cheats and wins or something. But I don't know. I think they see a lot more in Bobby Lashley than I ever have. I, I never was a huge fan of Bobby Lashley, even in the first iteration of Bobby Lashley. I just, even going into TNA, I just never been a huge Bobby Lashley fan. So I think he'll win because they see him as more of a star than I do. Fair enough. Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass. Unfortunately, I think the feud is going to extend. Big Cass is going to pull the win somehow, and they're going to have a rubber match uh, where Daniel wins at SummerSlam because we really give a fuck about this feud. <sighs> Whatever. I'll say Cass's mic works down a lot better. That's all I'm giving him. Um, yeah, so Big Cass is going to win. I can't believe I'm predicting that, but just makes sense with this stupid storyline. Chris, what do you think? Maybe there's some interference from the real one in Zoe Moore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Oh I, I mean, God. I'm going to go Dan. I'm going Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's going to win this. And the pre-show match, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, Bludgeon Brothers Champions versus Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, the Good Brothers. Uh, yeah, Bludgeon Brothers are going to whoop the shit out of them. Um, I love Brothers. I'd love to see the club get the championship belt, but uh, they're going to keep on doing this whole LARP thing or whatever the fuck they are and ruin what could have been a great wrestler in Luke Harper. Um, Chris, what do you think? Uh, same. Like, actually, I feel the exact same way. And it also makes me really sad that we're talking about tag teams and we're not talking about the Usos. God. Like, the best tag team they have. Both sides. Like, <laughs> like, the best tag team they have, not even on the fucking card. Like, I mean, I love the New Day, but the Usos are the best tag team they have. They're not even on the card. Absolutely. It's kind of embarrassing. Absolutely. Yep, I agree, man. All right, let's go over TakeOver. TakeOver Chicago, which will be uh, Saturday night. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's go down the five matches they have on here. Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross. Shayna is the NXT Women's Champion. I'm going to say I think Nikki's going to get this. I think that Nikki's going to be the champion for a little while, and then she'll eventually make her uh, main debut along with you know, joining up with Sanity because they haven't fucking started them. But in the same sense, I could see the reason why Sanity hasn't started is they're waiting for this to, to finish up with Nikki so she could possibly lose and then go on to come to the main card. I just, uh, I mean, I think Shayna Baszler's great in the, in the, uh, the ring. She sounds like Bart Simpson um, saying a fucking promo, uh, which is fine, but she's not as exciting. I'd love to see Nikki finally get that belt. Chris, what do you think? I, I see Nikki more as like Ember Moon to me, where I don't really care if she gets the title before she moves to Maine. Um, so I, I don't care if she yeah. wins or loses here. I just want her to get back with Sanity because I think that would be a really refreshing group on the main roster. Um, if Nikki Cross wins, I'd be really happy for Nikki Cross. And I think that's a, a possibility, but I, I think they're pretty, they want to push her back up with Sanity. So I think she's going to lose here, honestly. All right, well, we got Ricochet versus Velveteen Green. Probably this could possibly, or the next one I'm about to talk about, could be the, the match of the night. Um, I am actually going to say, and I think I said this beforehand, I think Velveteen Green is going to pick up the win to extend the feud. Um, like I said before, it could be some type of heel maneuver that gets him to win. I wouldn't doubt that. Chris, who do you think is going to win? I actually think that uh, Velveteen Dream will get the win here um, for the same reason, is that it's not over. Uh, I'm just interested to see how they actually work the match. That's that's the big thing. Um, and hopefully the win makes sense, and, and I think it will. Uh, I'm just, these two, just the fact that their feud is so red hot, it's it's got to continue. So having Ricochet squash it in the first match, probably not the best idea. Possible though, because yep. you know, NXT has worked it the same way with Gargano and Ciampa, I think, in a really good way that made sense. So you could see Ricochet just win this first one and then Velveteen attack him week after week after week or something. Um, so this one's a toss up for me. The, the, the only thing I care about is I know this is going to be one badass match and I'm looking forward to it. I think this will be the best match of the weekend, probably. This definitely could be. This next match, 
Uh, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa in a Chicago street fight. Got to be honest with you, I I feel like they're going to extend this. Ciampa's going to win, and they're going to keep on going with the feud. I'm kind of getting bored with it a little bit. I used to love it, and then I I just feel it's kind of stayed stale. And I told you I wasn't a big fan of the whole Candice LeRae getting hit off the apron. It, It was exactly the same fucking thing they did with Sandy Callahan, Eddie Edwards, and his wife. So that was kind of annoying. And also because Candace LeRae is, is up. She had, there's T-shirts of her with a crimson mask and her fighting dudes. Like, you know, especially for the NXT audience, a lot of them are aware. So some stuff like that has been taking me away from this. Still, it's going to be a great match. Like I said, I think they're going to extend to Ciampa winning this. Chris, what do you got? I hate that it's another gimmick match. They just did an unsanctioned match, so it just feels like the Chicago yeah. Street Fight is going to be the same thing. Is my biggest problem with it. And you would think that Ciampa knows that he's a disadvantage. There's not a difference. There's just It's just no DQ. I mean, I guess maybe they'll start it out in the actual street and end up in the ring, but a, a non-sanctioned match could happen anywhere also. So to me, it's the same gimmick match back-to-back. And they were like, the first one was really, really good. Um, Generally speaking, when you have a second gimmick match, it's not as good as the first one because it kind of loses a little bit of luster no matter what you call it. Uh, but, you know, both these guys are great. I think they'll have a good match. I just think, you know, if it was me, I would probably either open the show or close the show with a match just because I think there's – that Ricochet match does not need to come before or after this match or this match will get overshadowed in a way that I don't think they want. Um, because, one, it's an actual what? wrestling match and – the other one's a street fight, no DQ match, which is similar to what they did last. Yep. So we got the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, the champions, going against Oni Larkin and Danny Birch for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Um, you know, it was, especially after the amount of losses that both Oni and Danny have had as a tag team and uh, by themselves, and just being such badass wrestlers, just great uh, in-ring hands to have with whoever at NXT, it would be really great to see them get the titles, but that's not going to fucking happen. Undisputed Era is going to retain their titles. They're going to still stand strong with the tag championships. And we're going to see Adam Cole go over to Evolve uh, to defend his title against the PWG champion, Walter, which should be awesome. Um, Very weird concept altogether, but, hey, I'll take it. Chris, who's winning this tag match? I think you see Oni Larkin and Danny Burch win this, but because of something like Pete Dunn getting revenge on the Undisputed Era. That could happen. I could see that. And then I the could last see match. Something are... from... I'm sorry. I was just saying, I, I just see more between Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong. I don't think they're done with that yet. So I think that maybe this is just a feel-good one-off match where like Oni Larkin and Danny Burch win, but it's because of something like Pete Dunn. Or, or something that the Undisputed Era has pissed off. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we got Aleister Black, the NXT champion, going against Lars Sullivan. Um, this is the women's match. No, I think the women's match will be better than this. Nothing against Aleister Black, and I think Lars has come a long way. I just think it's going to be a clunky match. Maybe they'll, uh, you know, change my opinion, and I'll be blown away. Maybe Aleister will pull Lars into a great match. I don't really see that happening. Either way. They're not taking the title off Aleister Black yet. Yeah, they would be crazy to put the title on Lars Sullivan over Aleister Black, um, especially when they got 
so many great wrestlers in the game, so Bruce J, Velveteen Dream, T3, people that are all who I consider better than Lars Sullivan um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, no, I don't see him losing. And I do think this will be a clunky match. That is a good way to put that. Um, Alistair and Lars, they, I just don't see them working well together. All right. There you have it. Those are our predictions. Um, before we go, Chris, I was going to ask you one question about which do you think is crazier in retrospect? The fact that the WWE made an announcement that the New Day would be taking on Kenny Omega and the Elite for the Street Fighter contest at E3, or that, well, like I said earlier, Adam Cole is going to be performing at Evolve, defending his NXT North American Championship against the PWG champion, Walter. Which one of those crazier? The fact that both of them have been announced by the WWE. I think the crazier one is that they're actually talking about an indie event, like an indie wrestling event on their page. Um, as crazy it is being Kenny Omega and the Elite, maybe there's some, they're trying to build some good vibes there to try to sign Kenny or sign the Young Bucks. So that one makes more sense to me. Also, they have Up, 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 up Down, Down, which is actually sponsored by WWE with other wrestlers. So it would make sense. I'm assuming that footage will actually go up on that channel. So promoting that makes money sense. The PWG thing just is like, hey, we're doing indie stuff now. So that one was a little bit more weird. Um, but, yeah, I, I, how did you feel about it? Uh, both of them are extremely strange, but I think it's awesome. I'm just hoping that it's progression, and I feel like no matter what, Triple H is behind it. And Vince, not clueless, but doesn't have as much of a grasp on giving a shit about it. Um, either way, guys, it's been an awesome show. And uh, me and Chris enjoyed uh, talking about some wrestling with you. Definitely check out all the WWFs, WWE, I'm sorry, not the World uh, Wildlife Federation or whatever. Um, all the programming this week in NXT and also uh, Money in the Bank. You get a chance. Go back and watch the New Japan Dominion show. Got a lot of great stuff. I'm assuming that you have watched it. We will also be having a written Diamond Dallas Page interview. Um, that will be popping up on our website and on Facebook um, in the next day or two. And we're trying to go over there for, uh, you know, in-person interview since we live um, in the area where Dundell's page lives. So definitely be looking forward to that. I uh, want to thank everyone. Uh, ch- check out our Instagram for Geek Five. Check out our Twitter. Check out our Facebook page, Geek Fives Nation. Check us all out. Check out our other shows. like a full court press on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Geek Fives Live on Sundays top 10 show on Saturday. Chris, say goodbye to everyone. Love you guys. Have a great week. You can hit me up at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. And uh, like I said, everybody have a great week, man. It was fun talking to y'all. Great talks. And that's all we got for you guys. So, And that's the bottom line. Just go, go, Let the Geek Fives be with you. Peace out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.